if enough people tell you something, you start to believe it. So you see it as amazing. Some people see it as amazing. I did all these things, but there are other people that thought, you know, she's lost. She has no idea what she's doing. And it's only since I started surrounding myself with people that have said, no, those things are really amazing. You know, I don't see a lost and, and confused person. I saw, I see somebody that had a lot of ambition and is creative. Hello and welcome to the Women of the Future podcast, a podcast made in collaboration with the Women of the Future program, a platform built to unlock a culture of kindness and collaboration among leaders, as well as support and celebrate the successes of women. I'm Kim Rowell and I won the media category at their awards in 2018, in recognition of my continued work as a commissioner, producer and children's author, particularly within the mental health remit. I'll be talking to my guests on this podcast about their careers, who or what gave them their first big break, their successes, failures and inspirations along the way, and how they came to be a part of the Women of the Future Network. Tony Thorne lives by the motto, be true to yourself. And as an entrepreneur who started her first business aged seven, it's certainly a notion that is working incredibly well for her. The epitome of the multi-hyphen career, Tony has been a consultant to both public and private sector entities in her native Barbados, and at 18 was the first black or Caribbean person to sit on the Global Youth Leaders European Summit, going on to be named as a World Economic Forum Global Shaper and Deputy Curator of its Bridgetown Hub. Alongside presenting the Tony Thorne Show, her regionally broadcast television show, working as a clothing and shoe designer, devising a charity programme for HIV-infected orphans in Jamaica, and much, much more, Tony is also a former Huffington Post blogger and columnist to two of Barbados's leading publications. The list of her accolades and achievements is quite remarkable and extremely varied, with her recent accomplishment of receiving an MBA with Cambridge Judge Business School, seeing Tony named on the prestigious Poets and Quants Brightest and Best list. Tony is now happily working at JP Morgan Asset Management and is keen to work on projects which encourage and inspire women and girls, especially to pursue financial literacy and careers in finance. Tony was the joint winner of the Women of the Future MBA Star Award in 2021. Please note that we recorded this podcast while she was sitting by the ocean in Barbados. So do enjoy the sound of the lapping waves behind her, if you can. I grew up in Barbados, 166 square miles. And if you listen really closely, you can hear the waves. Um, (laughs) So jealous, so jealous. (laughs) But I grew up in Barbados. My parents, my mother was a teacher. My father was an attorney and didn't grow up with any, you know, riches or anything like that. But I felt really blessed because my parents taught me from a very young age that I could achieve anything. And it didn't matter that you came from a small island, didn't matter the color of your skin or anything like that. If you wanted something, you could achieve it. So my parents always kind of wanted me to be creative and to be my best and fullest self. Mm. So I remember as a child, I danced. So my parents formed an African dance group 
And I also did ballet. So I did like Royal Academy of Dance, ballet at dance. I did tap, I did jazz. Then I was a national dancer. I swam, I played the flute, I played the steel pan. So I had a very full upbringing. And I think a lot of character building exercises. So yeah, if I have, if I'm blessed to have children, I think I'll probably do some kind of dual London and Barbados kind of upbringing. I think, I think it would do them some good. <laughs> I think it'd be amazing. Like I said, I couldn't be any more jealous of you right now, sitting right <laughs> next to the sea in the glorious sunshine. It's just looks <laughs> ideal. Come, so Come to Barbados. <laughs> I was reading about you and you started your first business when you were seven. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So oh, that what, what was, was it? So I had this club called the Planet Club, and what the aim of the, for the club was to be environmentally friendly. It was inspired by Captain Planet. Um, so it was called Planet Club, and one of the exercises that we would do is that we would raise funds, and we did things like clean the school and whitewash the the school and do all kinds of really noble stuff for, for children mm. and then one summer I realized that none of my friends or none of the club members it, it was about 30 of us they weren't going to camp and it wasn't for any particular reason so I asked people what are you doing this summer and they said oh we're not sure we're not sure and I went home and I said to my parents I am going to do a summer camp and I'm going to do it for Planet Club and we're going to go to this place we're going to go to Harrison's Cave we're going to go to Animal Flower Cave my grandmother had a very old, my great-grandmother, sorry, had a very old wooden ice cream maker. Okay. And there's a fruit in the Caribbean called soursop. And we would meet soursop ice cream with it. Long story short, I added up all the costs of all of the activities that we wanted to do. And I had a summer camp. And when people found out that, uh, like the managers of the different attractions, so everybody, I said to everybody, oh, your parents have to pay X amount of money for a week of this summer camp, got all the money. And when it was time to go and pay, my mother and my grandmother took me to go and pay. And the persons I, I talked to, because obviously I made myself sound like really mature, like, hello, how are you? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, when they found out that I was seven, everybody was shocked. And somehow the newspaper found out about it and the television station and they came and did a feature. So I think it all comes down to your upbringing. And it's a good thing that I have parents that said, no, you're seven. Like, why are you thinking about doing a summer camp? So, yeah, I think I owe a lot to my parents. But that entrepreneurial spirit is something that is clearly inherent within you, even from the age of seven. But to move forwards a bit, at 18, you were the first Black or Caribbean person to sit on the Global Youth Leaders European Summit. So how do you go from being a seven-year-old girl with all these grand designs on how you want to change the world and make an impact? And what were you like academically? What kind of things did you do at school? What did you enjoy? What were the things that were important to you? And how did you get from A to B? So I, I probably, we do the common entrance, which is what I think is still done in the UK, right? My partner tells me, no, they, they don't do that anymore. Right? Not that I, no, I don't think so, no. So we still do it. We still do it. And I went to the school that people say is the Hogwarts of Barbados. It's called Harrison <laughs> College. And, um, <laughs> It's the top school is like the Eton, uh, people, people say it's either the Eton of Barbados or, or the Hogwarts. Depending. And we actually have the same color tie as Hogwarts, to be oh, quite honest. Yeah. So I went there. And to be quite honest, because when we, when we would have exams or when we had common entrance, persons' parents would stop them from doing all these extracurricular activities to focus on their work. And my parents never did that. So it was always very, very rounded. 
So because I, I was still doing all these things, I wasn't an A plus or all A student, but I still got pretty good grades. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think to be quite honest, the passion for taking things from page to stage and having an idea and really wanting to see it come to fruition, I think that is what took me from this seven-year-old girl to this 18-year-old girl that was at Global Youth Feeders Summit. You know, you you want to do things. You want to see the world. You don't want to be limited by where you come from. And you think that you can really make a mark. Mm-hmm. So I think that permeated throughout. And I got selected to attend that conference. And then from actually being at the conference, they kind of did a round robin of all of the persons there to see like who would be on this summer and I was I was chosen and I was really happy about it. It really changed my outlook on life and you know really solidified. It doesn't matter where you come from. Once you work hard and you have the best of intentions, you could go anywhere. So what was your first job I suppose out of education? Because I'm assuming you must have done bits on the side like we all do, like working retail or in a restaurant or what have you. But what was your first say proper job? Okay, my first study proper job, I worked for Shell right after I finished university. I did economics and accounting at the university here in Barbados called UE. And um, I got a job with Shell as a contracts coordinator. And uh, I don't know, you can see me here. Now I have on this bright, bright scarf, bright red lipstick, bright red. <laughs> and the job of a contracts coordinator, it, it just, I'm, I'm not down in it, but it didn't fit my personality. It was very mm-hmm. monotonous. And I learned a lot of lessons there. I, I think if you're going to wake up every morning and go to something, it has to align with your passion. And don't ever, don't ever chase the money. You know, don't ever chase the money. You have to be passionate about what you do. No job is 100% easy, but it has to align with what you wake up on mornings. And I stayed there for about two years. And then I realized that, you know, I really wanted to continue creating, creating, creating. I started a marketing business and I had my first client. I remember I was so excited and the client was paying a hundred US, which I think would probably be like 75 pounds a month. And that's what I went and did. (laughs) I did that and I did some carnivals in Barbados and so on, but definitely wasn't making as much money as with the contracts coordinator, but I was happy every time Mm. I woke up, you know, I was creating something. So, yeah. yeah, and you followed your passion, which is brilliant. Yeah. I yeah. wanted to ask you about the Tony Thorne show. <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell me about the Tony Thorne show. I was looking at it on YouTube. It looks brilliant. Oh, oh my God. How did that all come about? Yes. So, I was also a World Economic Forum global shaper. I was a curator for the Barbados Hub, and I would be selected by World Economic Forum. So, I've been to Davos in um, Switzerland, Davos. I've been to Davos in Panama and I've been to one in, in China and they would hand select me to always do things. So I've, I've interviewed like the president of Panama on their behalf and the president of Coca-Cola at that point in time. And when I came back home, the station here, the Caribbean station here, they said, oh, you know, we saw all these pictures. We interviewed these people. Um, can you come in and talk to us? Uh, we want to give you your own TV show. And I was really excited. And I went, I met with them. And when I got into the room, there were many young people or people were like my personality. And uh, I was listening to their ideas. And I am the kind of person, Kim, that I can't do anything that goes against who I am. I will be a team player and everything, but I can't be a fraud. 
right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, at home, and it was like this show that they're saying, I, I'm not going to be the best person for this because it doesn't really align with who I am, especially when you're putting your name on something. You know, you, your reputation is all you have. So I went home and I thought, and I thought, I thought about it. And then I remember they said that they didn't have a big budget because one thing about us Caribbean people, we might not have a big budget, but it's a whole set of what we call <laughs> back now, you know, um, composited, you know, drama. And uh, I went back at them and I said, listen, you guys don't have the budget to do this. I'm putting my name on it. This is what we should do. Let me produce it. Let me take care of all the budget and all the money and all the filming and everything. And you guys just be a distribution partner. And I had no clue how I was going to raise money for that show. Mm. But I knew that I was making the right decision by doing that. And they were distribution partner. It was broadcast throughout the English-speaking Caribbean. And I went and I learned how to raise money for, well, my version of, of raising money for a show. I don't know if that's the official one. You would have to tell me. But I basically went and got advertisers, sold them the ad space, made a profit by buying the time slots from the television stations. And it worked out. I really enjoyed doing it. Yeah, so that's what the 23rd show was. <laughs> so incredible. I really love the way, though, as well, that you can go to Davos and speak about world economics and policy and politics and then have the Tony Thorne show and go and do marketing and selling ads and making something a success through distribution. But then also yeah. you're a former clothing designer as well. So it feels like you've got all of these strings to your bow. But yeah, you're Listen, just like, really multifaceted, I suppose, is the answer. I yeah. heard somebody call it a multi-hyphenate. And it was like, wow, that's a really good term for it. And, uh, a few years ago, people were just saying I was lost and confused. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I love that, that term. Um, I started designing when I was at university and what would happen was in Barbados, if you were privileged, you would fly, you would go overseas and buy your clothes. So people would always do shopping trips. I've done it. My friends have done it. But if you wanted like a certain outfit, you have to wait until things came out in London or the, U- or the US and then wait a few months to then wear it. And you want to be current. You know what I mean? It's so young. That's my high five on Facebook was now coming out. And I decided, you know what? I knew some seamstresses because my mom had a theater and dance group. And they could make the clothes for me and I could design them. I'm seeing them in the magazines and I started doing that for myself. And then friends asked me to do it. And then they started charging like $20 for the sketches, which is like 20 Barbados is 10 US. And then I just said, you know what? I can make a business out of this. I could start to actually design the clothes. The seamstresses would make them. I would choose the fabric and everything. And then we'll have fashion shows and people would hopefully like these things and buy them. And I did it. My father, when he found out that I had this business, he was like, well, you know, you have to pay your school fees because you have a business now. You have to pay your school fees on your own and you have to buy all your books on your own. And, you know, as I said, character building lessons. And it ended up being featured. I remember there was a feature, Caribbean Fashion Week. And all of my pictures and my clothes were in ID Magazine and the London Times. And it was good. I have had a full life thus far, to be quite honest. <laughs> it sounds incredible. <laughs> Bringing it back to where you are now and what you're doing yeah. now, I mean, please obviously tell us a, a little bit more about what that is. But has there been a standout moment or a person that has redirected all of the stuff we've been talking about to bring you to where you are now and what you're doing now and why it's important for you to carry on doing it? So two people, and they're the two people that I lived with before obviously I went to the UK, and that would be my mother and my grandmother. And my grandmother, just a little bit on her, my grandmother raised 
three children, a twin and, and my aunt on her own. My grandfather went to the United Kingdom to become a lawyer and come back here and become a lawyer and a politician, hopefully. And he never returned. Uh, he went missing for about 35 years. And I think the shame of not actualizing his dreams caused him not to come back. So my grandmother had to raise him on their own. And my mother ended up meeting him when she was like about 38. I remember going up to London to meet him. And all ended well. We got along really well. But, you know, my mother also had some serious experiences as well. But when you live with two really strong women with personalities of perseverance and, you know, not being limited by things, that's a serious example that's set there for a young girl, right? So I would say those are the two persons that really, I mean, my father's amazing. My stepmother's amazing too, but I've been raised by them. I've lived with them. So I would say they're the ones that constantly would never limit me or, you know, they're my harshest critics, but my biggest cheerleaders as well. Mm. So I would say the two of them. And tell us more about what it is that you're doing with JP Morgan, because you're working in asset management, right? Yes. How have you, have you ended up here doing this? <laughs> <laughs> it's intriguing. It's right. The thing is, Kim, I, so I reached a plateau here in Barbados, you know, People probably weren't wrong when they said that I, I appeared lost and confused, right? Um, because you create these things and you want to go. And I really probably should also check for my ADHD to see if I have it. <laughs> but I slowly reached a plateau. I felt like if there was a lot of things I did, I lo- did a lot of community where I was a missionary to Haiti. I felt like if, you know, I've done all these things, but I still don't feel fulfilled. I need to see the world. I need to do something where I'm working on a global scale. And I applied and I got two scholarships to Cambridge, did the MBA. And for some reason, I really liked the finance concentration. Okay. When I first started out, I thought I was going to do like the media concentration or the creative arts concentration. And for some reason, I really, really liked the venture capital classes and those kind of things. And I thought it was at site and time in finance where you didn't have um, much diversity and I thought that you know if I had done it five years ago I wouldn't be experiencing the great experience that I'm probably experiencing now so I did the finance concentration I did a bunch of projects with financial companies I really got an exposure to all these different things that are happening in finance and I was like wow this is people say finance and you think is you think is rocket science or you think is boring or stuffy or everybody has to look the same way but I like what I do every day. I mean, I'm young in the company, but I really like effecting change in people's lives. And in asset management, we say we have a duty to our clients. And when people have a pension and they need to be able to live off of it, my mother's a pensioner. And you know that you're helping invest people's pensions, insurance policies, and so on into proper things and enhancing their lives. I think that's actually really fulfilling. absolutely across all the work that you've done and all the things we've touched on and probably a lot of other stuff that we haven't is there any one thing in particular that stands out for you or that you're particularly proud of honestly I am so proud of the last year right now it's probably like a year and eight months I'm really a friend of mine um, posted on Facebook and said you know she hates when people say they're proud of yourself and I think men say they're proud of themselves all the time so mm-hmm. why, why shouldn't we celebrate ourselves as women, right? Um, when I left Barbados, I gave up everything. When I went to Cambridge, I gave up everything. And I behaved as though 
I had nothing to come back to. And when you have that mindset and you just work hard, you behave as if, look, this is my last chance, my only chance. I don't have anything to go back to. I've given her everything for this and I put everything into this. I'm really at selling at Cambridge. And because of that, I did well. I got shortlisted as, well, not shortlisted, but I got chosen as uh, one of the best and brightest top global MBAs for 2021. Then obviously Cambridge nominated me for this award, Women of the Future. So I think the last year taught me that if you want something, if you work really hard, if you have the best of intentions, if you laser focus, and if you don't stop people in the back, you know what I mean? Um, good person, good intentions, and good work ethic, there are very few things that you wouldn't achieve. So I would say the last year, I love my life. I love living in the UK. I love my job. I love my relationship. And it's all because I had those three things. That's amazing. And you just mentioned that, obviously, you were the joint winner last year of the MBA yes. Star Award at the Women of the Future program, which is so fantastic to see the both of you get your moment yes. in the spotlight. She's lovely. Yeah, she is, both of you. I, I was there and it was amazing. How did you first hear about the Women of the Future program? And how important do you think women's networks are for people, professional women with potential and, you know, innovation and inspiration to just do exactly what they want to in life? Yes, I heard about it because Cambridge said they wanted to nominate me for it. And when they sent the link, I said, this is amazing. Yes, thank you. Of course. Please nominate. <laughs> um, I applied and, you know, I can't, I was so excited just to even be considered. And I remember I was in Barbados and I came back to this before I started at JP because I started at JP three days before the award ceremony. Oh, wow. And it was just an amazing experience, just meeting everyone, every single woman I've met from interviewing to the dinner to everything. I've learned something from and I've felt a connection with. You asked me about the importance for women's networks. I think it's really important. I now sit in finance. So, you know, you, you see all these studies and you read these blogs and everything. And there's just some really interesting statistics, particularly for the UK. I read the other day that 65% of the wealth in the UK is going to be held by women within the next decade. And I always hear women say, a lot of women say that they could do with more financial education and increased financial literacy. And how do we empower women and how do we empower girls to understand basics about finance? You know, is, is it good to save? Is it good to invest? Which one should you do? Um, just basic things that when women are in positions where they feel vulnerable, they, they don't have to feel vulnerable anymore because they're empowered with that kind of information. And talking about things and sharing ideas and sharing stories is important. That's why networks are important. Because I may think that I am the only person suffering with, with an issue. And then when I talk to you about it, I realize you are suffering with the same issue as well. And how, how do we solve it? By discourse. How do we get that discourse? By connecting with each other. Networks work. Yeah, absolutely. Shared experiences completely. Yeah. Well, yeah. I have some quick fire questions for you, Tony. Are right. you ready? Are you ready? Yes. Here we go. Right. What would you describe as your greatest success? My life now. Holistically. Um, oh, okay. Do you mean holistically just that you're just very comfortable and happy? And Yes. Yeah. 
That's so lovely. And your greatest failure? Uh, my greatest failure is believing a lot of the doubt that I told myself. Yeah. Believing a lot of the doubt I told myself about myself. Yeah. Do you mean like imposter syndrome or more that you just felt that you were inferior or? Um, I had imposter syndrome. I had the belief that, you know, if enough people tell you something, you start to believe it. So you see it as amazing. Some people see it as amazing. I did all these things, but there are other people that thought, you know, she's lost. She has no idea what she's doing. And it's only since I started surrounding myself with people that have said, no, those things are really amazing. You know, I don't see a lost and, and confused person. I saw, I see somebody that had a lot of ambition and is creative. So if you hear it enough, you start to believe it. So you just mitigated that by reframing it and just yeah. realizing yeah. that you didn't feel that way. You weren't that way. It wasn't, yeah. it, wasn't it wasn't true ultimately. Yeah. Even I know this is a fire, fire, fire question. So I'll just say this really quickly. But even applying to business schools, I wondered if people would get it. I wondered if the business schools would get it. Would they what when they looked at my resume, what kind of person would they see? Would they see lost and confused? Or would they see, wow, this girl has potential, it's just that she's not in the right environment to be home. And thank God they saw the latter. You were just hoping that they would just think outside the box and yes. see your potential. Yes. That was actually tagline of my marketing business. <laughs> really? Oh, there you are. Yeah. Okay, so the mantra of women of the future is kindness and collaboration. What does that mean to you in both your personal and professional life? Oh, wow. Kindness is a big thing for me. Kindness and being gracious. Being gracious these days means a lot to me because you can, I think it was Maya Angelou that said, people never forget how you make them feel. And I meet a lot of intelligent people, a lot of very accomplished people. But if you don't have a, what we call in the Caribbean, a clean heart, if you don't have a clean heart, you know, you could fly to the moon and back. It makes a lot of difference to your character. So kindness is important. Showing yourself kindness, as we said before, what stories do we tell ourselves as women? And if we are telling ourselves good stories about ourselves, we are then able to speak good stories to others. So I make a point to tell people good things about themselves. It's not being fake or it's not being pretentious. But I know what it, what it feels like to not be told really good stories about myself and to tell myself really negative stories. So I want to do that for myself and I want to do it for others. Collaboration is important because we get there faster together. I definitely feel that way. What I bring to a table I can't bring everything to the table. Somebody else is going to bring something that I that I can't bring. And I think collaboration is really important. And I like working in teams. I really, really do. So yeah, that's what kindness and collaboration means to me. Is there anything that scares you? Hmm. If I'm honest, I, I don't know how to deal with the loss of loved ones. And I remember I lost my one of my best friends right before I left to go to Cambridge. And two weeks before she died, I mean, she was able to tell me goodbye and send me WhatsApp messages I saw on my phone. But two weeks before that, I was like, I heard somebody's really close friend died. And I said, oh, I, I can never imagine having to lose someone close like that. And be careful what you say. So I think I'm scared of, I'm scared of losing loved ones. Family is really important for me. And when I say family, I mean my love and I mean 
my friends as well. So yeah, that's what I'm scared of. What's left on your to-do list? Oh, to be quite honest, I have just joined JP Morgan Asset Management. I really like my job. I like my team. There's some really interesting things that the company is doing from a DEI perspective, from a women's, you know, women empowerment perspective. And in my role, there's a lot to be done. But then the extra kind of what we call um, employee organizations, there's a lot of interesting stuff. And I hope with this award, I have a network I could collaborate with people via kindness. See what I did there? No, and do some, do some outside projects with girls and women. And yeah, just keep growing and keep learning. That's what's next for me. Tony has been so lovely speaking to you today. A little bit traumatizing, the fact that you're in the sunshine next to a palm tree by the sea. I can show, I can show you the sea. Oh, oh my gosh, look at that. That is sensational. I'm, I'd just like to reiterate how jealous I am. But yes, thank you so much for your time. It's been lovely speaking to you. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Women of the Future podcast. If you enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, why not give us a rating and review? You know you want to. For more about the Women of the Future Awards, network and initiative, please visit www.womenofthefuture.co.uk. See you soon.